0: Hello again, Rabbi. Hello, Joe. And I hope you're having a pleasant time as you drive through Monument Valley. That's always been one of the things that I told myself I should do before I shuffle off this mortal coil is to visit that location. And it brought to mind a list of shoulds that you once told the congregation in one of our classes about the shoulds of Judaism. Do I have that title right? Yes. Can you expand on some of those? I think the first one was particularly a good kickoff to the title.
1: One thing I want to start with is the difference between the shoulds of Judaism and I should take a walk, I should go to Red Rock Canyon. That's very harmful. If we set up shoulds and then feel guilty or bad or organize our lives, thinking there's some external force that we're neglecting or didn't do. We want to be careful how we use the word should. And as we get into the shoulds of Judaism, you'll see that they're not specifics. They're about our behavior. They're about how we're to conduct ourselves in the world. Our first should on living righteously. A person should always consider themselves To be half wicked and half righteous. If one does one mitzvah, one good deed, something good, then it's praiseworthy. For they then tip for themselves to the side of righteousness towards the, the good half. But if one sinned, if one did an act that was harmful for other people or harmful to the self, well, then they tip themselves towards the side of wickedness towards the side of doing something bad. So we have the evil inclination and the good inclination. And so we should always consider ourselves to be half wicked and half righteous.
0: Well, when you say tipped one way or the other, is this in the eyes of God, we're no longer a mix of good and bad, we're now one or the other?
1: Well, we use the expression tipped to the scale. It doesn't say you have become wicked or you've become righteous, neither. It's how we tip the scale on either side. And this is really neat because it works very well if one believes that God is a judge. And at the end of our time on earth, God will judge us. And we use the image of a scale. No one is good or bad. We have inclinations. And when we come before God, if that's our belief system, if we come before God, we want the scale to be tipped towards righteousness. Not that we never did anything wrong. It's that we did more right, more helpful than we did harmful. So we tip the scales.
0: And I remember the old biblical quote of Uh, Sin not, lest you be judged and found wanting. Uh,
1: Again, that's that same expression. We're looking at that balance.
0: Do we need, is our goal to always be perfectly balanced? Wouldn't it be better to be tipped a little bit more towards the good?
1: That would be neat. However, we're human beings and that isn't going to happen. So what we wanna do is just tip the scale in the end, the sum total. Now, there are individuals that we can look at and go, really, they really tip the scale in that direction almost all of the time. And we can respect that. But as human beings, we're on Route 66. We're gonna cut somebody off. We're on the beltway. We're going to do something foolish and start shifting lanes that could possibly cause an accident or hurt someone else. It's going to happen. So we don't want to pressure ourselves into thinking that we can always do the praiseworthy or righteous thing. Now, if someone doesn't believe in God or ultimate judgment, this still works. Because how do you want your mother to view you? How do you want your spouse, the partner, to view you? How do you want the headline in the Washington Post? How would you like it written? Do you want the newspaper headlines to say that you're a grifter, that you lied, that you caused a riot? Is that, does that make you proud? If it does, then you're tipping the scale in terms of sin, in terms of bad, because it's harmful and hurting people. So there's another criteria if we don't want to use or don't ac- accept or believe God as judge is other human beings, is our legacy, is how we will be remembered. And it can be on the grand scale or it could just be with our children. How do we want our children to think of us?
0: So it doesn't really matter whether or not you're religious or not. You should still motivate yourself to try and tip towards the good.
1: Yeah, and I would take out the word religious and just say, you don't have to have a belief in a divine being that, is, that it somehow judges people. You step back and look and think about the people we remember, Martin Luther King, Kennedy, Lincoln. Think of the people that we hold up to. They were all half wicked and half righteous. And people have a tendency sometimes to want to point out all the bad things they did. That's not fair. We want to put it on the scale. Let's see how it weighs out. Yes, they did stupid, harmful things for varying degrees, and they did good things. Let's see how. And how do I want to be remembered? Do I want people to quote me, to read or listen to me on YouTube, or listen to my podcasts? Or do I want people to throw me off of YouTube, throw me out of Twitter? throw me out of um, any any social media. Is that is that praiseworthy? Would your mother be really, would your grandmother say, oh, I'm so proud of my grandson. He was thrown off of Twitter. He's not allowed to use Facebook and he can't post anything on YouTube. I'm so proud of how he led his life. I don't think grandma would ever say that. And, and yet
0: there's, I mean, I don't know anybody like this personally. And of course, I don't rely on news organizations judgment of anyone as to their exact character. But I do know in fiction, in movies and in books, there are bad people who rationalize their bad behavior by saying, I have no one, no one cares about me. What does it matter how I act? What about them?
1: Again, they're tipping the scale towards bad action, towards sinning. They made a choice by their actions. It may be true. No one loves me. No one cares about me. Again, that's a feeling. How do I respond to my feeling? Oh, I'm going to respond by murdering people. I'm going to, And then I justify it. You could say that. However, the reality is we make choices and a lot of it goes back to background and training. How I've been trained to respond to my isolation, to my feeling sad, for my feeling sorry for myself. How do I? Because there are many people in similar situations that do praiseworthy things. They do. It's about action. And obviously we can justify anything.
0: Well, on that note, I have a tough one for you. We have the, the recent anniversary of the January six either insurrection or heroic attempt to seize back control from the uh, people who stole the election. And both sides feel that they are doing the right thing. And there's no arbitrary way of looking at it. Either you think they were being bad people or you think they were being good people. How do we look at that? Do we if someone is doing something that I think is bad, but they think they're doing it for a good reason.
1: We need to look at the action. If it involves hurting people, killing someone, unless we're talking about combat or war that's been declared, killing someone's off limits. So if in the rioting, someone was killed. So you can say whatever you want, you can't justify it. You killed someone, you maimed someone, you destroyed property anything destructive, physically destructive, you're going to justify the Holocaust and killing 6 million Jews, 12 million Soviet citizens. The figure goes on and on. You're going to justify it. No. We look at the action. When someone is destructive, when they're destroying property, killing and hurting people, then you're now sinning. Bad action. Now you want to have a parade. You want to protest. You want to circle the building. You want to have speakers. Then we can talk about disagreeing with the principles and stuff. But once you begin destruction and justify it by saying they wouldn't listen to me otherwise, it's not true. We would listen. You just didn't give it the opportunity. So there we have an objective criteria that's not about my side or your side. If either side is destroying, killing. Look at the three men that were just convicted. They chased down a Black person for no other reason than to kill him. If I, I'm here in Leisure World, if I see someone, I heard some cars were broken into, I look out my window and I see someone suspicious walking. I pick up the phone, I call our security, and I call the police, and I keep an eye on that person. I don't take out my sniper rifle and take him out. So if if indeed they thought he was the person, perfectly reasonable. I see something suspicious going on. I'm going to call the police, keep my distance. And if he's running, I can follow in my car. I could also walk. I could keep my distance. There's no reason to shoot the person or for me to take out after them. So that's the... F- fallacy with their rationalization that's where I would challenge it. The answer is yes they saw someone they thought was suspicious they thought he fit the description perfectly reasonable let's call the police we in our society have designated individuals who are trained and we have to examine and see was there a threat did he then use his training as opposed to my carrying a gun and shooting somebody because he's running away.
0: And it goes, again, to what you always say, that training is key in those situations. And uh, a law enforcement person has received training. Uh, But it does open up another can of worms for whether or not they've received sufficient training. But we'll leave that for another day. Thank you again, Rabbi. Uh, I will do my best to tip the scale in the right direction. My dog agrees. And uh, uh, I look forward to our conversations as always, as other opportunities to be righteous.
1: Thank you. And I look forward to discussing some more shoulds.